the Augustin Hosinga Show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> Welcome back to the Agostino Zinga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zinga, and this is episode number 664. This is 664 of the Agostino Zinga Show with I, your host, Agostino Zinga, and I hope you are doing well wherever this show may find you. I hope you are doing swimmingly. How am I? All good, all things considered, all good, all things considered. I cannot complain. I really cannot complain just got back from a pretty decent session at the gym it's been a while decided to go in there and pump some weights and get the blood flowing through my lovely muscles and yes let me tell you it felt absolutely amazing absolutely amazing and the plan today is to do something that i haven't done in a long time is do two a days so later on today i shall be outside running also i was tempted to hit the treadmill but a part of me just dies every time i'm on it i feel like running should be you know um should be only done outside unless you are physically unable to do so i think you should try your best to head outside get some fresh air and actually run outside on the concrete on the grass wherever you may be that's the possibly the best way to do this type of thing and seeing as i don't have any health complications or bodily complications why not let's just go for it so hopefully today i shall be doing it not hopefully i will let's make sure we get that speech corrected and i shall be where i need to be and it shall be an alton mason summer sooner rather than later sooner rather than later but i've also got some decent good news to report actually that i'm quite happy about so i got confirmed I've had it confirmed, had it confirmed, and I'm really over the moon about it today because I got it confirmed that I'll be DJing sometime next week, Friday, the 21st of April, actually, at this pub that I played at before. It's the first time in a long time I've had kind of back-to-back sets playing in places, and this time should be a little bit interesting because the first time that I went and played at this place... I wasn't basically given the adequate information about what sort of setup they had. I also didn't ask, you know, many questions and I just assumed they'd have um, CDJs with USB ports that you can basically plug in like I do play in every other place and in most kind of big clubs out there and kind of bars and clubs, whatever it may be. But unfortunately for me, this place is one of those ones where they have a PA machine, sorry, a PA machine. They have a decent mixer you can plug into and you can plug a MIDI player in there, but there is no ability to play with CDJs because they don't own any so i had to bring my own basically midi play which i'm kind of fortunate and i'm really happy that I didn't throw away because there was a period during the lockdown when i wasn't really using it and it's just kind of been gathering dust and basically been acting as a makeshift paperweight that i was considering throwing away my little pioneer you know dj midi player type of thing and i'm glad i didn't do it i'm glad i didn't because now i've got this thing that i can use when i go and play these events at these bars and at these pubs where they don't necessarily have a um, dj equipment in any way shape or form 
that shall be fun. But the other thing I'm also kind of looking forward to is having a kind of second round because the first time I went there, I don't think I did the best job just because it was, again, I, I had, you know, a set prepared on my USB. Then it changed and I had to kind of come through with my laptop and my DJ equipment. I had to basically go home. Luckily, the owner of the place was able to drive me back because I don't live too far from the venue and I was able to get my equipment and then use it. And then, then I realized that the flipping USB stick that I had wasn't allowing me to basically use the same playlist I created on record box within the Serato DJ kind of program stuff loads of madness but essentially anything that I prepared a week prior to play at this place I couldn't actually play when I got there so a little bit of a roadblock a little bit of a you know speed hump that I kind of overcome so now the second time going around there the plan is is to de deliver what i think i would like to hear if i went to play in those type of pubs if i was in there basically that's kind of my mo because these bars and pubs for the most part that i go and play in they're not techno nightclubs they're not house nightclubs they're not nightclubs in any way shape or form they're just pubs where they may have a dance floor they may have a late license and they may have the ability to have people dancing and mucking about and whatnot and they've got a decent equipment on the corner or live band can play so for the most part you are playing in a space where most of the people don't actually want you to be there which is a really strange thing to kind of you know wrangle in your head but that's kind of where you are playing so you kind of have to be aware of that scenario well, aware of that's you know that that setting and kind of play according to the crowd so a lot of crowd pleaser stuff a lot of bait commercial things i probably would never play if i had the ability to play in the nightclubs i obviously do want to end up playing in the future but i still think it's a good way to kind of learn how to read a crowd to learn how to dj you know in general on the ones and twos and to just be able to put together a coherent good set because i'm adamant if you do think you are a decent DJ of any sort of ilk, you should be able to put together a decent playlist. And what I'm basically doing without any kind of, you know, without kind of um, being too self-deprecating, I'm essentially like a DJ playlist where I do have the ability also to maybe, you know, add a couple of songs here and there, but I'm essentially, that's what I'm doing. So that kind of works with that regard. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, can't wait to do it. It's been a long time coming, having two sets back to back um, next week's Friday. So I shall report back when that happens and you know what my review is, but I'm aiming to absolutely kill it and smash it. I'm preparing the set now. I'm putting stuff together. I'm thinking about things to do. And I always try and approach it like this. I always try and approach these things like, oh, imagine I was playing at Flipping Hop Tosse. Imagine I was playing at Fold. Imagine I was playing at Flipping Burger and a Paranormal Bar how would I approach it and I'd approach it the same way that I'm doing now I'm thinking about stuff I want to play I'm already downloading things I'm preparing playlists and taking it serious even though it's going to be in some you know um, pub somewhere in the middle of flipping Hackney where most of the people there won't want me to be there they'll get annoyed when I start playing they'll be spending more time eating their burgers and their chicken wings and shit drinking their beers and not really giving a single F about me and you know I'll be halfway through a little decent bashment set and it'll come up to me and ask me oh, have you got Rihanna? Have you got Beyonce? There'll be loads of track requests and stuff, but it's still fun regardless. It's still quite a good opportunity to kind of flex and do your thing and see how that works. So looking forward to that when that happens. Obviously looking forward to that when that happens. So randomly today, I caught up on a bit of the podcast drama going on at the moment. There's some pod wars happening. And unfortunately, they're happening between two podcasts that I kind of used to listen to, or one in particular I used to listen to religiously. And that was the Joe Budden podcast. They're having a little bit of a tip or tat because some time ago, Joe Budden split up with his original kind of crewmates in Rory and Moore. And they went on to do their own podcast called New Rory and Moore. And ever since then, there's been a lot of bad blood between them for various reasons. But I guess at the crux of 
of it is basically they had a falling out about money, about ownership, about maybe credit and just maybe feeling like as if they had some level yeah maybe of ownership is probably the best way to go about it because the epic sort of thing to come out of that argument was there was an occasion where joe was arguing with more one of his former co-hosts and people that kind of helped to you know make that joe Biden podcast what it is and he said something along the lines of the podcast business is none of your business to more which you can understand if you're somebody who really legitimately feels like you played a big role in getting that show where it was it could be something that could kind of hurt you especially when it's coming from somebody you consider a friend a brother and whatnot and for whatever reason joe wanted to make it very clear that he doesn't care about friendship when it comes to business whatever's on the papers on the paper he dealt with it the way he wants to deal with it and for myself being a big fan of the pod and kind of believing all the propaganda and all the kind of myths and narratives people put out about themselves as a fan i kind of took it a little bit i took it badly which which means i kind of didn't listen to any of their shows after the fact i kind of tried to champion new warrior more but i kind of got bored of their show i tried to listen to joe budden podcast but then i kind of got annoyed hearing joe Biden's voice because it reminded me that he kind of you know basically you know um in a weird way kind of you know effed over his flipping friends and i couldn't never you know i couldn't really hear or see him the same again so in actuality it kind of damaged i think both shows but they've been throwing shots at each other continuously for the last i feel like few months um every single time it usually feels like Mole was the one that's probably most offended because he was basically more of joe's friend and kind of rory came along later on down the line they were still obviously all close friends but Mole definitely has known joe longer so maybe he kind of feels it way more anyway they've been having a tit for tat and it's been quite funny to listen to so i'm going to play a couple of the clips here courtesy of chicks move here on youtube so definitely check out his channel because he's the one who updates all of this stuff and prepares all the clips and does it really really well chicks moves on youtube so i'm going to play a couple of the clips that feature some of the back and forth between these guys it's been absolutely incredible so let's just well i think incredible in terms of funny so let's kind of play the clip and see what he has to say and what happened oh and just to begin with this by the way to give you some context this whole argument started because of the flipping complex end of year list those end of year lists honestly they do more damage than good to the culture everyone always kind of falls out and argues over these flipping um power ranking end of year type of list type of things um joe obviously started feeling himself about the list um new rory Moore then got on their podcast and discussed the list and when they got to the number one they had to discuss their former boss and friend and employer and co-host joe budden so let's see what they have to say let me skip ahead a little bit here i don't want to waste my time Skip ahead a little bit, bro. Time and energy on a very biased list, and the list that was put together by Come on, a complex it. employees. That's people. Slow this. Why is it doing this? There you go. It's playing that. Don't. Academics came in at number two, and Charlemagne was number three. Now, Rory and Moore was not on this list. If you guys ask me, I know some of you guys do not like Rory and Moore. I personally feel like they should have been there somewhere in the 20 to 25 range. They went through this list on their Patreon. You guys can go check it out. I thought it was interesting what they had to say about Joe Budden being number one. Here's what they said. Oh, of course. Look at that. <sighs> the <But> thief. <laughs> the cat burglar. <laughs> big, big integrity. Big Big tech. Oh, big tech. <laughs> look at the cat the burglar. The one two punch of big, big tech. tech. Look at the cat burglar. Look, and look, staring off into the next house he wants to run in. Uh, <laughs> big cat. 
That's big cat. Is that a Miri? Quiet as a mouse. I believe that this person belongs in the, in the top five. So I, yeah. I'm not mad at them being Whoa. one. Look Again, how short I'm his keeping my is. non-bias the way I have this entire time. I didn't want to defend Adam-22, nor do I want to defend this gentleman. Why he they, should be in the top five. Why yeah. didn't they put a write-up on him? They, they barely give him anything. And that's based off what hip-hop media is now. For more on the So I'm not sure if I'm giving a compliment right now by saying <laughs> I think these people should be in the top five. Ex-rapper to punting career path. Wow. The most abrasive I think that man, in hip-hop. Uh, I think they meant another. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be the rollout for bringing the show back. Yeah. <laughs> One-two punch. One. You, don't wanna, there too? you don't want to join Carisha? <laughs> nah, she she belongs in number seven. No, we not gonna do that. <laughs> no, wait. I'm jacking Carisha. You can't. Jack She's a bubble seat. Yeah, I'm jacking that. That's a great spot for her to land. She's a Cinderella that gets to the final four. Lucky number seven. That's a good number. That's a good number. Like you know what I mean? I'm this list it. is absolute insanity. Yeah, yeah that's terrible. Oh my god, I think that's what they the want. integrity cracks at like number two. Yeah. <laughs> they got rid of it immediately. Yeah. They let you know right there, like, all right, we threw all that shit out the window that we said we was about with this list. It's not real. It doesn't exist. Yo, but go back to the, that was the criteria bar. again. That was a bar, right? Yeah. It was great. What was a bar? Obviously, they were going to have Joe. So you heard that. And then, of course, Joe went back and fired back at them. I thought his reply was quite funny also. Let me play that. And you won't just be looking to take the next check from somewhere. To whom this may concern. This is not even <laughs> on page one of the manual. This is a thing. I don't like the guy and I don't listen to his content anymore. He gets on my nerves and stuff and he's clearly extremely toxic and has a pattern of falling out with all of his friends when it comes to business and just falling out with people overall and does none of the work to kind of repair that relationship or those relationships or to basically work on himself so it doesn't happen again. It's just what he is in it. It's just, you know, he's always going to keep keep that keep that flipping um, same circle of nonsense happening again and again but one thing you can't deny about joe he's flipping entertaining isn't he to whom it may concern like why not just say the guy's name why all this nonsense why all this like why all this bloviating why all this flipping pompous nonsense just say the people's names who you're talking about we know who you're talking about guy because you niggas ain't in the bookstore Instead of critiquing people's placement on this list, we need more critiquing on why you're not on it. Fair. To everyone not on it, shut the fuck up. (laughs) There's some steps that you niggas have missed. To whom it may concern. Stop holding the microphone. <laughs> like, if I'm just giving out podcast advice, it's certain niggas, y'all can't speak to me, y'all didn't do the work yet. You didn't go in the bookstore. Hire the editors. Lows. Get people to help. Invest in the staff. Pay the staff. Get more staff. Like he said, stuff, when people say stuff like this, it makes no sense, isn't it, right? Stop holding the mic. To be fair, the holding the mic thing meme could be just a, a same, the same thing could be applied to him shouting at an empty chair when he fires his close friends from a podcast they helped build together. But then he now, you know, becomes, you know, flipping tyrant man and decides to flipping kick, kick them all off because they're dead to ask about the accounting or they want a better idea about where the money is going that they're flipping investing into it or just how they're going to get paid. Regardless of how you think the cookie crumbles on this and who was right or wrong. I find that meme pretty funny to be fair. 
him talking about them holding the mics and them basically digging at him for being a 44 year old man who was screaming at some empty chairs and couldn't just call his friends and sort it out like an adult stop check chasing stop doing the bare minimum mm. and expecting that to yield results <laughs> you niggas minimum. are the bare minimum boys <laughs> 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 you niggas get that bag, put it in your pocket, and do the bare minimum. I don't want to hear none of you niggas talk about nobody in here. Hey, to whom it may concern. Cause niggas Again, to be fair to Joe, to be fair to Joe, he has done quite well in investing the money back into the pod to kind of make it better. Like I think everybody can agree, and myself included, even though I don't listen to the pod anymore and I've, you know, kind of turned off of Joe Bunn ever since the breakup. But we can't, we can't argue with the fact that the Joe Budden podcast legitimately is the best sounding podcast I've ever heard in terms of audio wise. Like Parks is a little bit of a cuck for Joe Budden, but let's not deny also he's a hell of an engineer. His CV is extensive. Just do your Googles about what he's done and how he's contributed to hip hop overall. But the way that he audio engineers that flipping podcast, it sounds amazing, incredible through your ears. It legitimately is one of the best produced podcasts out there. Legit. And especially when they're combining the video stuff, the live streaming they'll be doing. I've been seeing clips of that. That looks pretty cool. It's done, it does it pretty well. But I also think it's interesting that he's mentioning a few times the issue about money. Because if you're not aware, when these guys broke up with Joe, they then went on to kind of do their own podcast. And through just, you know, how flipping, you know, the universe is a flipping cruel mistress. Um, somehow they ended up landing a deal where they basically got paid allegedly somewhere in the region of $10 million for a pod for their podcast, essentially to join a network or not to join a particular network. Or, I don't know, whatever it may be network or service, whatever it may be. Somebody paid them $10 million or something around that kind of mark. And obviously the whole, if you believe the narrative that they fell out initially because of money and Joe basically thinking that he's worth a certain amount, and he didn't get it. And the beef about the Spotify deal and the accounting for the guys that he basically said weren't contributing much or didn't bring much to the table. And that's why he didn't feel like they were deserving of certain things. And he felt like he was a boss for them to go on and get a $10 million deal. That kind of would sting you to think a little bit, especially when you don't have your deal yourself or you're holding out for a particular number. So him mentioning it a couple of times feels like, it still stings him, even though he thinks, even though I'm sure he believes they do the bare minimum and it could be doing way more to improve the quality of the show. But I still think the fact that they got the money doing the bare minimum is what's really kind of, you know, got, got him hot and bothered if you're Joe Budden. Because it's like, how are these guys really bad at what they do? I'm the one, quote unquote, giving it up. I'm the one creating content, trying to be viral you know, saying, you know, crazy stuff and providing outlandish hot takes episode of the episode just in the order to kind of jump on that algorithm and whatnot. And these guys are doing the quote unquote bare minimum and they get in the bag. That's why I think the problem kind of lies. But again, another reply. So he said that and then Rory and Moore obviously had to flip and spin the block and reply back to him. Here's what they said when he declared them to be the bare minimum boys. Some people sounding smart. People good weekend dumb. though. Yeah, good weekend. I felt good. It was good, good weather for the most part, you know. I'll make this actually quick and brief because I, I know there's a lot of people that are here just for the other response. Let's dead the narratives that were happening this weekend. I'm not even talking about them over there. Just the narratives that exist. Outside of maybe two or three jokes since we put our a response video out two years ago, I have not said a fucking word. Mo has. Matter of fact, if anything, I've been objective and 
complimentary in a lot of places. Mo has If you look at that clip, I even said you deserve to be on that fucking list. Mo oh, hasn't. by the way, I'm talking to Joe. Hey. I don't do this who we made concern bullshit and hey. subs. You're fucking 45. Talk to people. Hey. Don't bleep my name anymore on the podcast. Shut the fuck up. I told you the last time I saw you, leave me alone. Oof. And I have not said a fucking word. I've been Oof. nothing but kind, polite. Anytime someone brings you up publicly, I don't say bad words. Stop talking about me. Oof. Leave me the fuck alone. It's getting obsessive. This is his third press run in two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this last one, his whole press run was trying to tell people that he does not talk about us. Your press run was talking about us saying you don't talk about us. You just went on your third <laughs> press run in two years. I have not been on one press run talking about your ass. I did my response video and I left it the fuck alone. You did. I didn't. <laughs> no, it's like, I didn't. <laughs> don't talk about lists, right? <laughs> you should shut the fuck up if you're not on the list to talk about a list, right? You know what's funny about the list, though? Just to, just to touch on the list stuff. It's funny because there was a time where Joe would get annoyed at not being on certain lists and it would create viral content and it would be like a good topic for discussion on the pod and it has some good back and forth. Lists are just so toxic. Now he's on the list and he's number one. He still finds a way to be upset in some way. What an incredible good dude, isn't it? What an incredible, incredible dude. I absolutely love it. What an incredible, incredible dude. Your YouTube popped from you talking about a list you weren't on. And we know how that ended. My arms are just tired. <laughs> I, need, I need a mic stand. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but like, yes, we have mic stands, but I, like, mm-hmm. I think we need more mic stands. We know we need like 10 more mics. Yeah, no, I understand. Just, just- no, no, I am sin. I, I, I agree with you. I am sin. And I think I'm, that's my kind of roundup point in this. And you're right. I am sin says they're mediocre and there is no life to the podcast. We don't know anything that's going on. It's all in the air. Rory and Mo needed that this joe keeps giving them shine he should just stop i personally dislike joe budden but that man pause like he really goes in yeah for sure i dislike the guy too because again it's my fault it's not anything to do with him i just dislike him because i bought into the narrative or i bought into the gas or i bought into the perception that he was for the creators right and he was going to do this thing where he was this rapper who didn't get enough who didn't get the acclaim he maybe his talent deserved when he was rapping he was always overlooked always the groom and never the bride i don't know whatever that term is right always a bride always a bridesmaid and never the bride whatever it may be and then he finally gets on the podcast thing and it becomes a thing that kind of blows up for him he then becomes an important person in culture people want to go to him he has really good hot takes the podcast is fun it provides free free hour plus you know amazing content that you can kind of listen to two times a week plus whatever they do on patreon amazing 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 but just the idea that I bought into how he was presenting himself is what kind of turned me off. And I'm just the kind of person where if I don't like you as a human being, it's very difficult for me to like your content and listen to it. I'm not going to make a kick and a fuss about it. I'm not going to write articles about it or try and counsel you. I just will stop listening. So I stopped listening to it. Cool. But let's also be real. The guy's a fucking podcaster. He can podcast really well. He's really good at ranting and raving giving you know unnecessary over-the-top hot takes inserting himself in drama creating a drama and just generally being a funny dude on podcasts he does it really really well no one can deny that and one thing we can't deny also even if we're fans of new rory and more the podcast is boring bro 
compared to Joe Budden podcast is boring. But also Joe Budden's annoying and the other guests on the or the other hosts on his show aren't that great. So if anything, both pods, both groups of people have suffered. Rory and Moore need Joe. Joe needs Rory or Moore. That's the actual unfortunate truth of it. They've both been able to succeed, you know, without each other now. They've both basically proved that they can do it, but they need each other. Both of them need each other to create a best podcast. That's what actually makes it great. But unfortunately, that that boat has now sailed. You know, too much messy stuff has been said. And me personally, I'm the type of person, especially if I was your friend and you're saying this stuff about me in public, if I see you in real life, it's on site. Like, we're going to throw hands. I may lose right it may end up embarrassing but we're gonna be punching up each other and it's never gonna go back to normal again it's kind of over but for sure they've basically lost out both sides of it because i feel like the pod was way stronger when they were together now they're separate both been diluted they both got their good parts both got their wrong parts but overall that that guy joe budden knows how to podcast let's not lie about that but he's kind of a bit of a you know insufferable guy to sort of kind of listen to which maybe is a quintessential ingredient of being a good podcaster you kind of have to be a little bit insufferable i think of the guy chris black on, on the flipping how long gone podcast i like he's incredibly insufferable and somewhat unlikable but the podcast is flames i listen to it every fucking week it drops three times a week i don't miss a pod unless the guest is super annoying so maybe that's part of the reason why certain shows work why certain shows don't work you kind of have to be a bit a little bit annoying a little bit hard to kind of like and then people will tune in to kind of hate listen and then maybe you can turn them over to be fans who knows anyway going back to the response just get a few more mics to end it here should have kept your library card yeah that's that's what i should have did well but uh i'm glad you i'm glad you addressed that no it's not even like i I, I may even sound frustrated and upset and i'm totally cool with sounding that way because i really have been quiet about this entire shit that's what's making it even cornier like this started it should it should have just been said no i have it should have just been honest said no i have felt frustrated and upset because i do feel frustrated and upset joe was my friend at one point we were really good friends we built this um, which i thought at the time we were really good friends we built and this amazing podcast that really changed all of our lives and I really thought we had the opportunity to really kind of rewrite the kind of narrative of the playbook on how people do business in this industry and really kind of do good by each other and actually grow this into a bigger thing, a, multi, a multimedia thing, a whatever thing, whatever it may be. And it hurt when my friend, who I consider the best friend or somebody I consider very close, essentially kind of didn't do right by me business-wise and it ended. You should have been honest and said that, which is why I'm replying the way that I am. That would have made it more thing because the one thing you can't say about Joe is that he didn't really ab- approach them in the most um, compassionate way when they kind of aired their grievances. He immediately went into defense mode, immediately started attacking them and went into kind of, I don't know you type of stuff and said some crazy shit. So maybe being vulnerable and saying, yeah, you actually did hurt me the way you treated me. And that's why I kind of take this a bit more personal than some things I did. And this is the way it is. But hey, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Yelling at an empty chair. <laughs> that I shouldn't come to your son's birth after there's a full episode of you talking about how much that meant to you. One story has not changed at all. One continues to change. I never took it personal. I never said wild shit. I never even went in on your business. I left it alone after that response video. So leave me the fuck alone. And had we not spoken about that, we would have been hating. That's where you can't win. Now that we spoke about it, we hating. I don't hate nobody. I don't pay attention to niggas enough to hate niggas. <laughs> you just got to be honest, too. If you hate somebody, too, just say you hate them. This whole I don't hate people, I don't say... Yeah, yeah, you do. 
Yeah, you do. These guys clearly do hate him too. I'm sure it's better now because they've got a $10 million deal. They're thriving, doing their own thing. They've created their own little ecosystem and kind of, you know, fan base. You know, they sold out their tour, did really well on it. I was meant to go to the one in London, but I kind of got lazy and didn't go. They're doing pretty well, both camps. But let's, 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 let's be honest. You hate him. It's okay to hate him. Like, that's, the, that's why I hate when I get dragged, drug into this shit. Because it's like, I don't care about none of these dudes, man. Respect and love to all of y'all. I'm just saying facts are facts. That's it. Let's deal with the facts. But we're not mad. Rory and I are happy. Our staff is happy. Everybody's having a great time. We have mic stands. <laughs> we have mic stands. It. We I have equipment. It. Like, I don't want people to think that we don't have these. These are all like false, just moving the goalpost shit. Like, cut it out, man, with the bullshit. Stop, bro. You're not the nigga that know. You're not the fucking the 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 master of podcasting. I know niggas you call you the podfather and you let that shit circle jerk you and you came that on yourself. Combat no. Combat Jack yeah, called like, himself that and then he passed away and then Pause. you started. Yeah, like stop you it with that, that bullshit, Pause. man. Cut it out. It's corny, bro. Like it's no this is corny. I gotta take seven showers a day now because my name is next to yours in the mud. Jesus Christ. Like, you know what I mean? I don't wanna do this shit, man. Like look what y'all got me. Don't I remember a rapper saying that? I had to take 17 showers. Who said that? Was it Big Sean? Some rapper said that about somebody. Was it Big Sean said that about one of that girl that that unfortunately died in the in um in that pool? I think she may have um self-expired herself. I think some rapper said that about somebody. Like I had to take 17 showers. Something really grim. I was like, whoa, about the about their girl no i think it was i think it was kanye it might have been kanye kanye may have said that about amber rose like something about showers or something i remember that line what are you doing the same thing i said to joe and everyone else leave me alone don't talk about me i don't talk about y'all leave me the fuck alone i know we're creating content people of pod wars all this shit i'm talking just to y'all in real life it just happens to be on a fucking podcast this is not a war or a back and forth yeah big up shut up I'm going to shut up and we can all move the fuck on and do whatever we want with our lives. Let the fans talk all day. But y'all, shut up. Shut up. I'm going to do the same. Shut up. My my arm is still tired. Wow, Rory sounds really angry, really, really shaky. Right? Really angry, really shaky, clearly. You know, again, this is personal. It touches them because they were all good friends at once. I just don't know why they're pretending like they weren't close friends and that it doesn't, they're not bothered. I'm not hating. No, you can't hate your best friend now that's now turned enemy because you were once best friends and you didn't ever envision a time when you weren't going to be friends anymore, especially in the way that it ended. It's, it's fine to be upset about it. Anyway, finally, Joe then decides to respond and kind of ethered them, to be fair. As much as I don't like Joe... He absolutely destroyed <laughs> Rory and Moore in this response. And I hope it kind of ends now because it's kind of getting corny, kind of getting lame. But this response is brutal at the end. This is Joe Budden essentially eviscerating these guys. So, if y'all think I ain't getting my money's worth out of this, now that I'm prepared, I'm prepared. But I'm not dissing nobody. I felt like last part when I was speaking about just podcasting and the landscape in general, a lot of podcasters out there were able to pull from that and get help from that. Now, hit dogs holler <laughs> and hit man holler. And ho hey, big Kanye said it on Breakfast Club about Amber Kim. 
Oh yeah, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, big up Natashki and, and um, Green Ghost Media. Big up Green Ghost Media. Thank you for the two twenty super chat. I appreciate you. Yeah, that was Kanye. Yeah, I remembered it because I remember that being like a really mean thing. Kanye is a really really sly mean general. By the way, very sly mean general. I remember once because he says a lot of mean stuff, considering how emotionally fragile and mentally fragile he is in general, and how just sensitive he is. Right, he seems to get very butthurt about the things people say about him but he actually is very mean to people remember when he said to Wiz Khalifa cool pants right that kind of was a meme that he was getting ripped to shreds about because at that time Wiz Khalifa was known for having his t-shirt off and wearing jazzy pants right um and then he said that stuff about Amber he then well obviously um saying what you call it I'd take a million showers after you before I got to Kim then he said the thing about Kim's mum calling her Chris Jong-un that was absolutely crazy and then what else he said really really mean oh he said something about big sean and he's oh yeah big sean during the drinks champ stuff basically basically calling him washed and no one's bumping your stuff in the club and we don't rate you your albums suck like just crazy shit like kanye is very mean a sly mean girl anyway let's continue joe budden eviscerating rory amon his response I'll holler if you count. Holler if you hear me. But, but if, if it don't apply, if it don't apply, you kind of just let that shit fly. You just let it fly. I want to take this time to clear some things up really quickly and we'll move on. Uh, I want to define the term press run because we're largely responsible with introducing it and y'all using it wrong. Uh-oh. <sighs> Uh-oh. A press run... A press run is when you set up a string of press for the purpose of promoting something. Introducing a product. You have to have something to promote. Mm -hmm. If you just pop up somewhere, that's not a press run. And Bear has been saying that for some time now. I totally disagree with that. (laughs) Did you catch that? He started calling Rory Bear. Because they're the bare minimum boys, get it? Rory's bare, Moles minimum. Hilarious. Bear. <laughs> Who's bear? Who's bear? You are mistaken. In <laughs> when I show up to these platforms, I, these people just are thrilled to have me. I'm not there promoting something, and I certainly wouldn't be there to just p- promote you. Bear, you are wrong in that. And I'm not your enemy. I'm not the enemy for once. I ain't spoke to niggas in years. Actually, you about to make me go in there. I saw it. You about to make me go in there. You make me mad now. Yeah, I'm not anybody's enemy. I ain't spoke to nobody in years. I'm just offering constructive criticism by watching and just seeing what's going on. Now, one of the last times that I saw a bear, (laughs) (laughs) we met up over there at Onview, and he needed a ride to his car. So he got in my car, and I was driving to the garage, and he said, hey, man. You know we got close to that 10 million, right? I mean, we didn't get that 10. But we got close. And I just nodded my head. All right, Bear. Like, why are you even telling me? It's none of my business. And he said, because I feel like I want you to know. And I said, all right, well, 
You're lying. And he said, how do you know? I said, because you're set. <laughs> mm. Not a $10 million set. <laughs> and then shortly after that, we stopped speaking, and then y'all wasn't at the set no more. <laughs> and I'll admit, I want to know why. He's so observant and so petty. That's really, really funny. But if you do watch the new Rory and Moore show, you would know the video um, portion of the show. They were recording it at one point at this set. I think they're signed again. I don't know their business too tough, but I think they may be signed to like Sirius or something. One of those kind of platforms, right? And they got basically, allegedly got somewhere in the region of 10 million and they got loads of press written about it. They were in Deadline, Variety, all that good stuff. So it was a legit offer. It was a legit deal. They got signed. I don't know what number of years it was, whatever it may be, but I guess part of the deal was that they filmed this really cool set. And for whatever reason, the set kind of went away. At the time, they said it was because Rory's dog, dog was pissing and shitting all over the place because I think he got that dog new. Or it was a, you know, whatever. It was, it was a pup at the time. So that made sense at the time to me. And also once they switched back, once they switched temporarily to doing it at Rory's place or his new gaff, me myself included and other people that are fans of the show would say i left a comment a couple of times saying the show is much better now he's filming it at home it just had a nicer vibe it just felt warmer they had their socks off they were chilling you know just i don't know just something relaxed about it maybe there is something to be said for going to a studio and kind of clocking in and clocking out there is something about that i think some people kind of had that some have that kind of way of kind of working I know Eminem does that when he records music. Eminem is a kind of nine to five guy, they say, right? Where he turns up at nine and leaves at five. If you don't come into the studio between those hours, you have to just come the next day. He kind of treats you like he's going to the office. So maybe there is something to be said about going to a studio, turning on the mics, and then kind of turning up and be like, okay, cool, we're in podcast time. Let's give it up. Let's be the flipping content boys. But I also think it's not fair to do that to New Rory and Moore and their show because I feel like their show, even though I say it's boring sometimes, the reason why it's boring is because they purposely don't want to do that. They clearly want to be chill, relaxed, talk about what they want to talk about and just kick it. And that's what they do. They don't want to quote unquote give it up all the time and be looking for and be flipping hot tech McGee out here, which is what Joe Budden and a few of these other guys do where they just try to create hot takes for the sake of creating hot takes just because it's quote unquote their job. It's not really, you know what I mean? You've got podcasts should we allow you to talk about what you want to talk about. So I don't know. I just, I just think, I just think in general, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird to kind of, you know, come, you know, have that kind of stipulation on them. But I also think it's hilarious how he's pointing out these type of things that we all kind of noticed but didn't really say in a negative way. But of course, Joe is going to say it in a negative way. Why are you blaming me? This is about to go bad. Go ahead. No, it ain't. I ain't yes, saying nothing so, wrong. I know. You have a way of not saying anything I'm talking wrong, to though. podcasters because the because Bear at minimum have done nothing but put on a master class to put on a master class and how to lose fucking value. So I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to future podcasters to learn from your mistakes. So I wanted to know why y'all left that why y'all left that little studio. Yo, let me say this real quick. And you ended up and y'all and y'all oh, house. Shit. So then you started recording next to a graveyard. And I took a moment to laugh because I love when God and me see eye to eye on things. <laughs> but it's a little bit low for him to talk about God. Joe has scummed over and fucked over a lot of people. If anybody's owed some sort of karmic retribution, it'll be him. If anything, he's also gotten away with a lot. 
because of you know the content game he's got his own fan base you can kind of be uncancelable but to say that that's god's way of kind of hey big up green ghost media rory and mall at home feels like classic jbp at parks exactly big up green ghost media for the 220 um super chat appreciate you brother yeah yeah for sure definitely you're right and um, i don't think it's a bad thing that they switched it to the home for whatever reason and it works i don't really have an issue with it um the main issue people are having with the new rory and Moore show is that it's allegedly boring I'm saying it's boring just because I don't like what they talk about sometimes, but I don't think it's boring in terms of the way they're approaching it. They decided they don't want to be hot tech McGee's. They don't want to get on there and gossip and talk about shade room stuff and, you know, um, speculate about things like other places do, like No Jumper and all these sort of places and whatnot. They want to just like talk about cool shit, talk about stuff that they're into and just kick it. And for the most part, it does that job well. I don't think it's a crime if you don't want to be a chatty patty. But, you know, when, when the top guys in that list of the hip-hop power rankings, essentially, if I think about it, I think the top five people are all extreme chatty patties in their own way. So I guess because of that, they think to be a good podcast and to be in, in that kind of community, in that kind of culture, in that kind of scene of hip-hop, you had to kind of have to be the one who wants to talk about mess, who wants to continue to talk about Crescian Rock and flipping Blueface and what's Diddy doing and what Drake meant here and what Ye said here and what Jake... Like, it's just nonsense, nonsense. There needs to be a show that exists within the hip-hop landscape that... There needs to be shows that exist that just talk about the music, that just break down albums actually and break down songs, talk about singles they like, talk about what direction the artist went in and didn't go in, about music videos in general and what their mindset might have been when they put the project together. And it should be shows that talk about the gossip and the nonsense stuff and the ratchet stuff. And it should be shows just, you know, a kind of good background listen. And I think New Rory and Moore is a good background listen, but Joe's going to say what he's going to say. Anyway, let's end this bit and we can move on. This is the last few bits of Joe destroying them. But the problem with that is, <clears throat> I said to myself, now wait a goddamn second. All right. Oh, the nigga said, uh, well, we're not in the building no more because they didn't like how the dog was acting around here. And I said, that ah, sounds familiar. But then I scratched my head. I said, wait a minute, Bear. <laughs> you mean to tell me that these niggas gave you $10 million? This is funny. And said, hey, your dog can't come up here no more. And you stayed home with the dog. <laughs> oh, what the? F <laughs> he really should do stand up. This is one person who actually should do stand up. That was a legitimately good joke. I didn't know he was going there with this, guys. <laughs> Ouch. That was kind of petty. Anyway, cool. He did that, right? So it is what it is. In the end, just to conclude it all. I honestly do think both shows, both, as Brendan Shaw would say, have suffered. Both shows have suffered. And I think both shows would contribute from both camps of people being friends again and reuniting. Because the Joe Budden podcast, even though Joe was able to kind of bounce back from having his best friends and co-hosts, you know, basically kick rocks and he fired one and the other one left and it was all kind of messy he was able to kind of bounce back and kind of fill the seat slots in with the other guys who are kind of keeping it going i don't listen to it anymore i've listened to a single full show since the breakup since the last time we started running to a chair i kind of just you know timed out of it new warrior might listen to here and there but joe's got to be giving credit for you know basically bouncing back and allowing the show to be successful and whatnot and not allowing it making sure it was still successful 
and the new Rory Moore guys, Rory Moore, have to be given credit too because everybody kind of counted them out, myself included, thought that they needed Joe in order to survive out here, but they were able to prove that they can do it on their own. They went out, secured a bag, sold out shows, have their own community of fans that love what they do, and it's smashing and it works really well for them. So big up all of those guys considering, but I would prefer if they kind of came back together and just made a show because I think separately, they're not the guys that they once were in my opinion, but hey, what do I know? What do I know? Anyway, moving on from that one. Moving on, let's talk about this. So, news regarding No Jumper. And this is something I just want to talk about in the pod because I thought it was flipping hilarious. So, I'm not sure some of you guys know. And again, this is stuff, this is like podcast, reality TV show type of nonsense news. But I thought this was hilarious because I feel like I've kind of would be in a similar situation if this occurred to me. So, it looks like Housephone and Illa um, are now broken up, unfortunately. And I think a lot of people on the No Jumper subreddit were guessing this. And again, credit to those guys for being on point. And I think it just goes to show when you pod enough times and you live stream enough times, you put yourself out, out there in public enough times. It's very, it's very difficult for people not to get who you are. Like they're going to understand you and they're going to be able to kind of call you out on your bullshit. And I think a lot of fans on these subreddits, even though the kind of podcasters hate it, they are really aware and knowledgeable of how people act. And I think the guys kind of called it out on that sub ages ago that most likely Illa and Housephone wouldn't last the long run because, you know, they're just kind of two different people. And I was thinking, no, not really. I think it don't need to be similar to sort of attract each other, opposites attract, all that kind of good stuff. They seemed like they got along really well. And, you know, Illa was kind of doing well by Housephone and kind of being a good support person to him when he was going through his um struggles and obviously his mum passing away RIP to Mama Housephone and whatnot. So he just thought, you know, it would work out. It's just no reason why this can't work out. But over time, it felt like the strain was kind of too much to bear. And now I guess Illo has confirmed now, courtesy of community clips first here. And I'm going to play a clip from the Ace Boy Pun Show where she kind of elaborates on why they ended up breaking up. But I'm sure some of you guys who are fans of the show can kind of understand and guess why Illo would decide to break up with Housephone. But here she is explaining that she's now single. Like, very not all the way ready to talk about it yet. But that's a little best person. We respect it. But what I will say is that, um, you know, sometimes God puts you in people's lives to help them, you know, get through certain situations and to help them progress. And um, it's up to those people to decide whether they're going to take that for granted, whether they're going to disrespect it, whatever they're going to do. And sometimes people just, you know, fuck off their blessings and, and do do whatever they want to do. And so um, with that being said, you know, it it came time for, you know, me to make that realization that, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's, 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 it's a wrap. It's over with. So, you know, that's that on that for right now. Eject OC though, because I... So she's obviously upset and clearly still going through it and whatnot, but they've clearly split up. And I think it was another clip that I'm not going to play because I can't be bothered and it's a little bit sad where she storms off and cries. But then she follows it up and kind of clarifies why it basically happened. And here is Illa on puns, um, Ace Boy puns, I think Lady Show, basically <clears throat> talking about why, um, alluding to the reason why her and Housefire are not together anymore. I couldn't even tell y'all everything if I really wanted to because it's just not y'all business. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not your business. 
who would I be? I'd be no different than that weird ass nigga over there that did the weird ass shit in the first place. I done twenty two. If I stood and did all that, but yeah, you know, I just it, it is what it is. There are just certain certain you know life choices and and you know activities and things like that. Certain <laughs> things that I've never done and I'm not gonna do. And I can't, you know, partake, nor can I deal with, you know, any any type of dishonesty or, or b- betrayal for real. So, you know, it is what it is. And- so my theory is most likely because House Phone's a party boy and he's just known to be a serial, serial, unreliable type of person who just flakes on friends and whatnot and just does what he wants to do and whatever it may be. And I know how that life is because essentially if you're kind of in the in the in the depths, in the grips of partying and doing drugs and drinking a lot, one of the things that you end up doing is being an unreliable friend and an unreliable partner. So you put plans together, you promise this, you promise that, and it falls through because guess what? You're recovering from whatever you're recovering from, you're hungover, you're in pain, you're tired, all these things happen. So you end up kind of destroying and damaging your actual relationships with real people because of that lifestyle you chose to have so when i look at house phone i see a lot of that in him and i know that's basically most likely what he's doing or it could be other things but from my guess on the outside i would assume because from what i know illa is sober from what i know illa may have a child so she's a grown woman in that respect because she's had a kid she's sober she's kind of got a career where she's doing what she wants to do in music and whatnot and kind of knows where she kind of wants to go and bloody blah 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 so a pretty much you'd say level-headed mature lady with a good head of her, sh- her shoulders and then she's got a boyfriend like house phone at the time who i think is pretty immature for his age i think house phone may be 30 but he kind of acts like he's 21 um you know people could say he's a functioning drug addict but i wouldn't go that far he's essentially what i would describe to be a party boy because i know i have those periods in my life where that kind of happens but you can imagine their two lifestyles don't combine in the slightest he wants to still kind of rap he's still kind of leading living a somewhat bachelor lafario type of lifestyle in some way you got this brand that's popping and smashing off all over the place and i can imagine a scenario where you know illa comes back from a long day work you know at work in a studio streaming whatnot doing life and then deciding to come back home and hang out with her boyfriend and she comes back and he's you know blasting music on the speaker you know there may there may be some paraphernalia paraphernalia on the flipping table alluding to some class a or class b substances and then she's just thinking what the hell is going on here i don't even want to do this stuff and this is my guy already bent out of shape doing what he's doing and whatnot and their lifestyles just didn't match or meld in the slightest so i'm not surprised that she decided you know what it's a wrap um cancel christmas as smack will say and it's over i want to do my own thing but there's also this clip that um people are sharing on a no jumper subreddit that's really interesting also it's a clip taken from another ladies night on ace boy puns um channel where someone ask a question and says oh what happened to the last stream that house phone because house phone's got a channel and a podcast he does called um biggest bros and they did a live stream where they went to a um they went to a, a one of those haunted houses things and in the live stream there's a clip because i remember i watched the part of the video i didn't watch the entire thing i watched kind of halfway but in the beginning you see them kind of outside this haunted house thing hanging out and then the camera sort of pans to the parking lot and you see house phone on the phone screaming and shouting at somebody like having a you know a kind of an argument you would you would you imagine and then i guess people were assuming it was illa he was arguing with but i guess it wasn't now 
Because she now clarifies it wasn't her on the phone. So this might be the genesis of the issue. Maybe House Phone was playing, you know, um, away from home, so to speak. And that was a person he was arguing with on the phone, which may have led inadvertently to them breaking up, which is flipping hilarious if you think about it. Like you get caught on a live stream arguing and it goes up and it kind of ends up ruining your relationship in real life. Absolutely hilarious. And the BBE escape room had the, had HP raging. That's an escape room, not haunted we'll say house. Say it again. Illa, why you ruin the BBE escape room? Mm. Had house phone raging. Uh, mm. News flash. Oh. That was not me. Mm. That was not me. Dun, 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 what, dun. Is, what are we talking about here? Uh, ruin the BBE escape room. Mm. What is that? Uh, we talk about that? Biggest Bros had a live stream earlier today. They did an escape room and... Um, it was a little hectic. There was um, cameras should have probably have gotten turned around mm. or cut or something because there was a, something. Yeah, there was a there was a a, a conversation happening um, that probably shouldn't have been picked up on camera. But that so so you didn't ruin it. Nope, I sure did not. So anyway, so as people are saying in the chat, also. Their relationship just never recovered from Adam 22 flipping baiting up house phones business. Ever since that moment, it was never going to work, I don't think. I just can't imagine, you know, a black woman being that comfortable with hearing their fella may have, you know, had sexual relations with, you know, somebody that may or may not be trans. I just don't think there's a lot of black girls out there that would be cool with it. It's just one of those things, unfortunately, culturally, whatever, societally, racially, whoever knows. So that was the thing that essentially kind of led to the death by a thousand cuts. And the relationship was never going to recover after that. So essentially, this is kind of, um, it kind of put a little, it kind of was delaying the inevitable. But it is kind of sad anyway, because they did seem kind of cool together from what I saw on the outside looking in. But I guess all in all, it kind of probably is for the best lifestyle wise. They don't really match up in the slightest. Like I said, she seems like a grown woman. House phone seems like a little bit immature, just a tad. So it makes sense. Anyway, moving on from that one. Last thing to talk about in No Jumper News um, update is featuring Yuri, my favorite 30-year-old, 18-year-old. And I guess Yuri now is going for a weird situation, right? Because I've kind of never been a fan of the dude. I think just being that kind of constantly kind of immature, weird, on purpose, and just silly, grown-up thing just doesn't work for me. It's it kind of, it's all that kind of... um being in a state of perpetual kind of adolescence he kind of reminds me of like a weird version of like a Burt Kreischer character where you don't want to grow up you kind of want to be this adult high school type of dude I don't know just I've never really been a fan of the dude he kind of rubs out the wrong way he's going for a weird situation at the moment because Riley got fired from the jumper his girlfriend so they're trying to build up her channel she's trying to do some stuff on the side and kind of you know kickstart whatever career she wants to do and part of the rollout you'd imagine was them being invited to Ace Boy Pun's live stream to do Ladies Night, the clip that I played for you earlier, where they were going to sit on that, on that live stream and essentially, you know, give it up and kind of, you know, be host, guests on the show, banter, whatever, talk about some certain stuff. And who knows, that attention and those eyes could lead to people deciding to jump on Riley's channel, subscribe, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It could be a good opportunity. But Yuri's still employed by No Jumper. And because Yuri has kind of always played both sides of the line and he's a little bit too pussy to stand up to Adam and he clearly likes working for a no jumper still. And even though his friends have all left that he does the flipping reconnected with, 
he kind of is in such weird situation where he knows that Adam doesn't like Pun. Pun doesn't like Adam, but he still wants to help out his girlfriend on this show. So they agreed to go on Ace Boy Pun show. They first of all agreed. This is a clip taken from the No Jumper subreddit where they basically showed that they did agree and they were prepared to go. Riley did a makeup, they were chilling, they were hanging out, and they were clearly in the mood to go. So this is a clip of them before they leave their house to go to the studio to go film this flipping Ace Boy Punch stream. And look what happens. This is, look what happens on the, you know, hear how they say, talking about it. Text Pun and be like, is Mark Nasty going to be there? Question mark. <laughs> He's going to think I'm excited. <laughs> Like, let's get to that. <laughs> Boom. And, and they're holding Yuri hey, signs. Yeah, harmonious man. And some girl immediately starts throwing Wait, it back in my face. Ah. I'm just going to do this, babe. Yeah, of course you would. I'm going I'm to do this. If a bunch of strippers come in the room. Fucking sneak up. I'm going to be like, pun, bro. You got me fucked up, dude. I can't I can't be a part of this. Anyway. Here, pun. Anyway, and still imagine. He's wearing, like, imagine wearing this sort of type of merch when you're 30 years old. You know, this is kind of stuff that you would imagine, like, a kid would wear. It's a shirt, if you can't see this, it's like a hoodie that's got uh, a flip on the NWO logo. But instead of having NWO, it's got ELC, which stands for Everybody Loves Cocaine. Imagine wearing that, unironically. This is just as bad as wearing, like, weed merchandise with the flipping weed leaf on it. It's just cringe. But anyway, whatever. Yuri does that. They're clearly happy and excited before they were going to go. But then, of course, on the day of streaming, look what happened on the day of streaming. Look what happened on a day of streaming. They didn't turn up. And of course, Ace Boy Pun and Ace Girl Cheeks decide to kind of elaborate and kind of give some inclination as to what happened. Yeah, yeah, we in here, man. What's going on? Hey, hey. So, 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 so. <sighs> we had some special guests tonight. We have some special guests. We do. We really do. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, you know, unfortunately... Shit happens, and you know they're li- they're literally right out there. <laughs> they made it, but they, they, they made it. They literally right they out. They made it, but they didn't make it. Shit work. happens, and unfortunately, it's just gonna be your your uh you know your your original ladies' night crew tonight. You feel me? Hey, look, and it ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong, wrong with it, man. Shout out to Yuri. Shout out to Riley, man. But uh, you know, we was here. We was ready to rock. Yeah. Uh, so theories about what happened the logical theory to kind of surmise from this because adam hates pun and pun hates adam most likely adam 22 put the call in and said to yuri nope if you go on ace boy pun stream you can't work for no jumper anymore your services have been ceased uh no was it your services have been um no you have been fired from this establishment right your services are no longer needed that's what he probably said to him which is really fucked up because he's the one that fired his girlfriend, which is the reason why they probably agreed to go on a stream in the first place, <laughs> right? So they're going on this stream to try and, you know, I don't know, do it, have some fun, chill out, whatever, maybe be in the process, gain some new fans and help her build up her channel, blah, blah, blah. Maybe she might meet some new friends with these girls. Who knows? Whatever. And he decides, nah, he puts a kabush on it. You can't do that. If you do that, you're fired from no jumper. Either that's what happened. Or... The other thing that I think happened is that we saw how nervous Riley is. And Riley isn't, you know, she's clearly not the most confident and um, 
person in front of camera clearly even though she looks where she does and people think she looks good and stuff she clearly doesn't like um being in front of camera in any way shape or form in that regard how they do on live streams so maybe when they turned up she got cold feet and thought you know what i don't want to do this actually i'm i'm kind of not in the mood it's not for me can we cancel and yuri being a good boyfriend kind of stood for her and said stood by her and said yeah cool let's cancel and they canceled last minute but knowing how much adam hates pun and knowing how much bad blood still exists between those camps, I think no jumper put. I think flipping Adams told Yuri, "Don't do it," which makes Yuri look incredibly cucked out and incredibly, you know, spineless because he did it essentially to help his girlfriend. But then his boss said he can't do it. The same boss that fired his girlfriend, which is why she's doing the show, and then he's agreed to it because he doesn't have a spine and can't stand up to people and just kind of gets walked over and stuff and whatnot. But then there's also kind of you know tries to posture as some sort of right wing flipping edgelord which is absolutely hilarious because again he doesn't really have a spine to stand to kind of stand up on but hey it is what it is what can you do what can you do moving on from that one we're going to talk about this this is pretty good news and pretty interesting news and i think will be something that a lot of people will try and kind of dismiss and poo poo but i think sometime along the line we may see a shift in general of people jumping on this platform what am i talking about it's this news courtesy of globe newswire rumble signs exclusive live streaming agreement with dj academics it says here, Rumble, the video sharing platform, announced today that the popular media personality, DJ Academics, will be live streaming exclusively on Rumble three to five days a week. Known for his authentic voice, DJ Academics is a powerful culture and entertainment influencer with 5.2 million Instagram followers and 2.76 YouTube subscribers. The Jamaican-American podcaster will cover the latest news in hip-hop music along with a satirical take on top headlines. The quote here says, I look forward to being one of the first to bring music and cultural conversations to a platform like Rumble. There have been many bad decisions at larger platforms where they haven't put creators first and they are disconnected from the community. I feel now is an inflection point for streaming platforms i couldn't be more excited to lead this effort on a platform that puts creators first um the quote from the ceo says academics is one of the most influential personalities in hip-hop and a cultural world and rumble chairman ceo chris pavlo pavlovsky says having him on rumble sends a big statement to other platforms about how serious we are in getting into different channels of content from sports to music to culture Tune in at 6 p.m. ET on Tuesday, April 11, which passed yesterday. He just did a stream, I think, with Sneaker and Aiden. And um, Aiden Russ, sorry. Um, you can subscribe to his, his stream here. That's a link. So, and it says, yeah, about Rumble. Rumble is a high-growth, neutral video platform that's creating rails and independent um, infrastructure designed to immune for counterculture. Rumble's mission is to restore the internet to its roots by making it free and open. Once again, for more information, visit corp.wherever it may be. So, good news regardless right on the good side of it i think it's healthy for the video sharing or streaming platforms to have competition i think for twitch and youtube to dominating all to you know all these things is just not good for business and i think especially when you think about how um these platforms are maybe ideologically bent and how political they are in in terms of how they sway maybe more left it is probably quite um, advantageous and probably a good thing for culture and for probably streamers overall if there does exist a neutral platform where you can quote unquote give it up and say what you want and i think in general 
the kind of smut that gets placed on these platforms like Rumble, like Kick, and they try and say they're right wing for essentially just being a platform where you can say what you want is uh, indicative of where the issue is. Most of these other popular platforms are too left leaning so that anything else that comes up that says, hey, we will actually let you say more things and actually be more free with your content and not kind of come down on you with a banhammer because you don't abide by whatever else we're talking about here in culture of rule. That says more about culture and where we kind of are in the moment than it does say about those kind of platforms. I also still think it's really good that he decided to go with a platform that are kind of, you know, trying to um, do right by streamers. I think for the moment reason, maybe because they've got an abundance of flipping people making videos for free, but I think platforms like YouTube and Twitch don't really care about doing right by the creators because they feel like the creators are easily easily replaceable they feel like there's a lot of other people coming up there's probably a younger 12 year old aiden ross right now streaming to two people who can eventually take over his place anyway so they don't necessarily go out of their way to try to accommodate those streamers even though those streamers are a large part of why these places or these platforms are successful so i definitely see why that makes sense and why it's good someone like an academic is joining rumble because clearly those platforms are trying to look after the creators and having them in mind and these things kind of need to exist um the issue i have with it is everybody kind of making it seem like it's a right-leaning type of thing as you see here from this article on vibe it says right-wing media another article here courtesy of um fader says it's a controversial platform i think that's unfair i think just because you are the alternative voice um on this kind of live streaming space and you do give people the opportunities to kind of say way more to get away with a lot more than they would be able to on a youtube or a twitch doesn't necessarily mean you're right wing and we do need the internet does need a platform that is neutral where people can kind of say what they want because as we've seen with the covid as we've seen with even the juicy smollett trial with the tory lanes thing if you don't say what the current what the kind of collective hive mind msn you know mainstream media type of narrative is you can get booted off there was a moment in time where legitimately if you kind of spoke about covid and said it was a lab leak or whatever it may be or you try to blame wuhan in particular or the flipping you know or these flipping wet markets you get booted off of the platforms that would be legitimate that was kind of sacrilege these are things that you could not say so now that things have moved on in culture and moved on in kind of society we have now become a lot more open to those kind of you know narratives or those kind of point of views you're no longer banned for those things anymore so imagine the people that were kicked off these platforms who lost a living off of the back of it now kind of seeing culture shift and people basically change their minds that's really not cool so a platform like rumble to exist that allows people to say what they want is great the only issue i have with these kind of platforms if it's not right leaning is that artistically and creatively they flipping suck look at this flipping cover and this flyer they made for ack joining flipping rumble like that is legitimately one of the most badly designed pieces of artwork i've ever seen in my entire life Like that is really horrible that's like a fiber job that's something that somebody paid somebody $20 on Fiverr to quickly design and they put it together. That is horrible. They didn't even, they didn't even roll him out correctly. They didn't do a, they didn't have him go coming into the studio and doing a photo shoot. I think if I'm not mistaken, he said on his um, clips that he met up with the CEO of Rumble and, um, and what you call it. And, and they kind of met up, I think at a UFC event, a UFC 287. They didn't do a photo shoot. They didn't do any kind of press bits and BTS footage and little interview, whatever it may be. Nothing. 
They just went on Google, typed in his name, and found some two images of where he looks the best, which he doesn't because, you know, he's, you know, kind of tubby looking and got a round face and can't dress for shit. But the flyer is horrendous. So that's the only issue I have with these quote unquote right leaning platforms. They don't have good creativity talent when it comes to art and all that malarkey they're not the greatest they can probably be able to put together a pretty decent platform and get the infrastructure right the back end stuff but when it comes to actually making it look good it's a bit terrible so that's the only thing i'm not really fond of it but i do think overall it's a good thing i think we will see way more people especially within the hip-hop space deciding to move over to rumble because i think a lot of them will be frustrated and annoyed that they didn't get the opportunity to kind of talk freely about certain topics and like i said before the tory lane's megan the stallion case being a good one like if you didn't come out and initially say that you thought megan was shot by tory lane's you'd get cancelled you get bullied off of the platform your accounts may get shut down but i think a platform does need to ex- exist where people can kind of pontificate and just talk and just kind of talk how people talk in real life because that's the issue i have in general with these platforms they kind of censor your speech but in general the speech that they're censoring is what people actually talk about irl they speak about these type of things openly they're they're opening they're open to having their flipping mind changed or maybe they're open to kind of receiving new bits of information that may alter their pov but for whatever reason on these platforms if you don't abide by the collective you know mainstream media point of view you could essentially have your entire channel taken down or your livelihood completely demolished and i don't think that's fair in the slightest personally i'm not a fan of you know this anti-woke counterculture type of thing people are doing i think if you're willing to be a hot tech mcgee you have to be open to the consequences of what you say but also let me say what i want to say first of all don't limit what i say just because that's what i say you don't like let me say what i have to say first of all that would be the right way to go about it yo big up green ghost media appreciate you brother for the i agree but funny ak wouldn't know the differing no, of course not. Akers, that's the thing that's funny too. If you listen to Adidas Academics, he's very smart and knowledgeable when it comes to the music industry. But I think his knowledge kind of like stops there. You wouldn't go to DJ Academics and listen to him for political hot takes. That's not his kind of, um, that's not his, um, that's not within his warehouse. It's not his expertise in the slightest. He's really good at talking about culture stuff, including hip hop, including just what's going on in society overall. Maybe some stuff about relationships because he's got this whole hard on fox thing. He talks about that rants and raves about about girls on IG and all this malarkey and fresh and fits topics. Cool, but anything to do with society, anything to do with politics at large, nah, don't don't listen to him. Number one because he's not knowledgeable, and also because he's a multimillionaire. I think in general you should maybe not take your political insights and societal flipping, you know, things from flipping multimillionaires who can kind of inoculate themselves from the horrors of everyday life. Essentially, they don't, you know, they're not outside here on the streets with you and I. They're in their ivory towers. So taking what they say in any way, shape, or form seriously is really dumb, in my opinion. But hey, what do I know? Moving on from that one, I didn't touch upon this because I think this is flipping legendary. So, recently over the weekend, the April um, Easter celebration at Bergheim happened, right? The, um, I forgot what the term is. I had to say in German. Is it the Oster Club night? I think Oster, whatever it's called. Easter in Germany happened, right? And they had an Easter weekend. Bergheim had an incredible flipping weekend. I think it kind of stretched from Saturday all the way until Monday, maybe early Tuesday. Crazy event. Loads of big DJs playing. All the rooms open. Crazy fun. One of the people who performed there is the legend known as LSD XOXO. 
and he performed there and i guess he maybe has upset some people who are big fans of Burkine and big fans of techno because he kind of now i guess in their eyes occupies this kind of tiktok techno genre which if you don't know is not a good term it's a disparaging term because it essentially applies to these one side is really hot looking girls who are kind of skinny and wear kind of, you know, scantily clad outfits and always look really sad, wear loads of black and play these kind of Britney Spears edits, top Britney Spears, techno, trancey edits of like popular tracks. And it's kind of really fast and for no reason, basically no groove, kind of just bam, 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 bam. everyone stomping and everyone wearing kind of Y2K type of trendy glasses and whatnot, right? cool but that's a genre that all the kids tend to like on tiktok then on the guys type of thing it's the same sort of vibe it's these kind of you know um what you deem them to be gender fluid type of individuals who are very kind of expressive in the things that they wear um they have a very particular way that they play very particular way they present themselves online and whatnot and bloody blah 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 for whatever reason people don't like it and of course there's the chad Brody side of it also of type of dudes that play this sort of stuff but tiktok techno is something people don't really like in a greater scheme of things because they feel like it waters down it cheapens what techno is it's not about the culture blah 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 it's about kids going to going you know to clubs and dressing up just for the image don't really care about the music etc 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 anyway lsd lsd xoxo plays that kind of music I, I think it's a bit unfair to kind of lump him within the techno tiktok twitter kind of space but if you want to just you know box somebody in and basically give them some level of a genre that basically is the best way to describe him and i guess the people over there didn't like it the thing that i like about it is best is like the reviews have been pretty terrible right and i feel like he's kind of leaning into it a little bit because people didn't like his set they thought he was playing horrible they didn't like in the slightest and i feel like he's leaning into it because of this instagram post that he posted right of himself outside the Bergheim. and if you're not seeing the picture it's him stood outside the Bergheim, the classic club post that most djs do when they after they played or before they go play um and usually they'll write a really big gushing caption which i will do when i eventually do play there my caption will be a fucking anthology they write this massive flipping caption being really soppy and lovey about Bergheim and what it means for them and their mother one day told them it was a dream that they had that they knew they were gonna make it all this nonsense lsd xoxo just said that was cute at Bergheim, right and in the picture he used is this picture where he enlarged his head to look like a flipping rat brat's doll i'm not too sure if he did it as a kind of um, nod to him being big-headed or if it was just him doing a little nod to the Bratz dolls that people kind of have, you know, a thing for. But regardless, right, I thought that post was hilarious, especially the kind of one-line caption and the picture. But I've got to read to you the reviews, right? The reviews of him playing are legitimately hilarious and kind of go back to the title of the podcast and why I think caring, sorry, why I think not caring is a new caring and why not caring actually is the coolest thing that you can do and may speak to overall this kind of general new vibe that these kids nowadays have i don't think unless the xo is that young anyway maybe he is maybe he isn't but he's just got young energy and i really do think this approach to playing at Bergheim is way more cooler than kind of getting on your knees and sucking the building off so this is what somebody said right about um lsdxoxo set and how he played there he said the few he said <laughs> this person said the following right um i don't think anyone is feeling threatened by lsdxo 
instead concerned about the future of what was the best techno club in the world and the message that he wants to send or the attitude he has towards it. He has a great opportunity to play in Berkheim, which every DJ's dream, and he doesn't seem to take it seriously at all. He came on 10 minutes late. He was keeping himself busy on the phone behind the DJ in the DJ booth and then playing four hours of pure cheesiness an extreme selection of rare gems from his past. If you search on Spotify, Hot Hits 2000 playlist with a crossfade enabled, you can get the same results as his set. Um, it is not only a matter of music selection, but also of mixing skill. And in case you have it and a bit of soul and passion and emotion, that DJ set from LSDXOXO had none of the above. Plus you play a strange Plus, you play straight after a nothing but deep and groovy, captivating, flawless DJ set from Renee Wise. Big up Renee Wise, my G, which will lead you to only a bit of frustration. You are not shaking conservatives. You are a poisoning. You are a poisonous soul. <laughs> now, remember, I'm pretty sure this person isn't employed by the Berghain. They're not employed by Berghain. They're just a regular punter like you and I, just a regular civilian. And they are capping. They are white knighting so hard for a club that couldn't give a single F about this person. And here they are essentially sucking off the entire building and acting like a flipping white knight Berghain saber because LSDXO turned up to the flipping Berghain 10 minutes late. Decided to be on his phone the whole time playing Candy Crush or browsing Instagram or perusing Grinder or whatnot, right? And then just, you know, phoning in the set. I love that energy. As much as I want to play in that space, I also think the flipping over the self-important kind of vibe that people have there where they legitimately think a part of their personality is a, a crucial part of their personality is being somebody that goes to clubs and whatnot especially that sort of club the kind of people especially at Berghain or when they go to Berlin who have a phone like I do with this sort of clear plastic clear case right and when you go to Berghain usually they, they cover your phone with loads of stickers your, your phone camera so you don't take pictures in the club and whatnot a lot of people would basically on purpose like you know how people with with wristbands and festivals where they'll go to festivals and they wouldn't ever take the wristbands off some people will go to berlin or Berkheim, these kind of places and purposely get the stickers all over their phone and never take them off their phone case so it's how people that legitimately have a personality based on clubbing and stuff they're the ones that are capping and saying what well, is nonsense so it's quite nice and quite refreshing legitimately refreshing to have somebody like lsdxo come out and essentially play the club dust turn up like any other gig that he's playing in whether it's in Zurich whether it's in Paris or Bogota and just do the bare minimum and kind of clock in and clock out I love that energy I absolutely love that energy unironically don't get me wrong if I went there and I queued for four hours and I went in eventually and he's basically playing a, another edit of some Christina Aguilera Britney Spears Rihanna flipping techno song that's blowing up on Instagram I'm gonna be annoyed but as a punter on the outside in looking at it from the outside looking at LSDXO who I've always been a fan of and love his productions I love that kind of energy I absolutely love that he's rattled these people online so much that they legitimately are taking up arms for Berghain and saying that he doesn't represent us and he doesn't represent the sin and blah 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 but the truth of it is the unfortunate real truth of it is that people like him and the other lot and maybe even some people that occupy the business techno side of things they are the future 
they're legitimately the future because they have the kids in their hands. You think about all those other girls that play within that techno, you know, TikTok techno scene. I don't want to name any names to offend any people, but you know who I'm talking about. All these kind of like really pale looking, dark, you know, haired girls and whatnot, tattoos, colored hair, whatever, that wear scantily clothes. You know, they kind of all look the same. They play the same type of music. They got the kids in their hands. The kids love what they do. Their live streams get, you know, hundreds of thousands of views, sometimes millions. They flipping sell out venues. People buy tickets to go and see them. It's no surprise that a club like Bergheim, especially post-pandemic, would be trying to lean into that a little bit more because, number one, that's where the youth are at. And number two, they sell tickets. And if you're coming off the back of the pandemic, you need to be able to kind of make sure that the flipping club is, you know, somewhat financially stable and is able to kind of generate money. What's the best way to do it? Booking the kids because you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You don't you don't get blamed for booking the old old fuddy duddies. You also kind of promote the youngsters that are coming up and you also make sure that people are going to be queuing and it's going to be a kind of consistent flow of people turning up because they want to see this person who saw on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. I think it's awesome. I love it. I think it's all great. I love his energy about it. And I think there's a post here that actually may have been a kind of ghost post that he may have done allegedly we don't know but i feel like his kind of post about it was absolutely hilarious too or whoever kind of posted it kind of trolling i thought this was great off of the back of people not being happy about his set um the post goes as follows it says huge news story developed how Berghain last night as lsdxoxo threatened to destroy the techno universe once and for all with his cheesy pop edits and helena health cleared the main floor again oh man i'm 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 honestly hoping that's not true. And that's a joke because I'm a big fan of Helen Half and I really wanted to go and see her play. But the flipping flight tickets were just crazy for that Easter weekend. But if that's true that she cleared the dance floor, then that's really funny because she's somebody a lot of the heads and a lot of the flipping guys that girls and kind of that get it would say is a real true techno person. So if they cleared the dance floor, but LSDXOXO got people dancing, even though he played horrible, cheesy, you know, pop edits, Who's the who's the real powerhouse here? Who's the real it person? Come on. Anyway, let's continue. The post says as follows. When asked about his selections by RA in 2020, LSD said, Sometimes feelings are funny. You just have to take a moment to make fun of yourself. But Berghain goers were in no mood for laughing. One local fell to their knees in prayer, wailing, Lord, save us from the TikTok TJs. A few hours later, they were seen in Ben Clock's set howling, Praise Jesus Christ for delivering us our Instagram king. <laughs> because unironic or ironically enough, um, even though Ben Clock is a you know OG of Flipping Berghain and a resident there, he's also very popular on Flipping TikTok also. It continues. Party for the SWMDJs seized on the moment, calling for immediate removal of LSDXO from all future lineups and a full reinstatement of Berghain's former glory of quality white techno bros. Love it. As always, the future is, is never so black and white, but House Disaster Class had one furious techno head suggesting she should apply to make the breakfast moves at the S-Bar instead. <laughs> Though House um, Burkind future may be on ice, it was LSEXO who quite literally let the dogs out. Sal Solison, editor-in-chief of the Reasoner, Reasoner, Reasoner. Big up whoever posted that. Big up if it was LSDXO on the troll. That was hilarious. I think this post, post coming, you know, playing there with your big head, kind of saying maybe your, you know, big head conceited or just a Bratstall thing. I don't know. I think that was awesome. Triggering everybody by just being good at what you do and playing what the crowd wants is also flipping hilarious. I absolutely love it. 
and you know it just kind of reminds me of the kind of the power of the guy overall i've always been a big fan of him in general personally for me i'm one of the people that believes lsdxo xo is a better producer than he is a dj but still it doesn't matter because double threat is still a double threat and you know two of my kind of favorite productions from lsdxo xo definitely would be tracks like code name cotton mouth and what was the other one on that same ep uh, oh false idols yeah those two are definitely um two tracks that i kind of always kind of love from the guy and i've always kind of appreciated and loved in any kind of way shape or form so yeah big up 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 him so moving on from that one let's quickly talk about some other things here that i want to discuss here before i leave you this is pretty entertaining this is a um, interview elon musk had with the bbc where he completely eviscerated this bbc reporter and the funny thing about this is that if i'm not mistaken this whole interview the whole basis of this is to do with the oh the, no, the fact that yeah it's to do with the fact that twitter had designated um bbc's account on twitter as government funded because it's in the name right british broadcasting company but for whatever reason i think bbc didn't like the connotations of being government funded they were stick they were kind of arguing against it going going through a back and forth and i guess eventually elon decided to jump on a twitter space and have a face-to-face -face interview with bbc representative in this journalist and kind of hash it out and talk about the differences but i guess the journalist didn't um didn't kind of account for elon pushing back ever so slightly and again elon musk has done a lot of kind of bullshit stuff over the time over the last few months i feel like and being a big fan of his especially being a fan of the kind of stuff that he makes or the companies that he kind of sets up and builds and the things that he's trying to do in terms of technology in terms of space exploration in terms of making you know us multi-planetary species and whatnot and ai and robots and whatnot he's got a lot of cool things that you can kind of get behind and being somebody that kind of got exposed to him via reading that amazing unofficial autobiography by ashley vance which i definitely recommend you pick up it's available on audible whatever kind of platform i think i listened to it as an audiobook but it's a really good autobiography um it kind of paints him really well like it's maverick kind of genius kind of inventor guy type of things he has his flaws in terms of not delivering by deadline but generally that side of things i love about him but over the last couple of you know maybe 18 months or more he's really become quite unlikable really really unlikable especially when you think about recently what's been going on with uh, matt taibbi and how he essentially used him to be a mouthpiece for twitter and kind of use his credibility as a somewhat neutral journalist to kind of do his dirty work with the twitter files and then when he basically decided he didn't want to change jobs and leave substack and come over to twitter um he decided to now make substack links be kind of you know not enabled or not liked on a twitter platform and all this sort of nonsense just really petty crappy stuff that easily somebody could have kind of you know brought to his attention and really kind of got to the crux of it and actually understood hey what's your motivation behind doing this why would you treat somebody this way why would you do some certain thing when a lot of people you know you think a lot of kind of substack um journalist type of people who write on substack are basically quite active twitters also so to kind of you know take away their ability to kind of share links or whatnot it's just kind of a shit thing to do the bbc journalist did not do that he decided to sit down there and kind of essentially go for some ideological possessed emotional questions regarding hate speech and whatnot which is something that can't be defined it's too flipping vague and emotional and just loosey-goosey to kind of really get down to it and kind of really have a discussion about it 
and Elon pushed back slightly and this guy was fumbling all over the place. And it makes you really wonder about these flipping journalists who call themselves journalists or whatever it may be. These guys don't have a Scooby. They're absolute dumb as bricks. But here's Elon absolutely eviscerating this journalist pretty easily. I mean, I would, I would only just add that, you know, we have spoken to people who, who have been sacked that used to be in content moderation. And, and we've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation. And they just say they just there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Is that well, what hate speech you are you talking about? I mean, you use Twitter. Right. Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, but just a personal anecdote, like what here comes, you, here I comes. personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content <laughs> yeah, personally. But I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. You, you see so this is the easy question to answer, I feel like, because I think most people can agree, especially when Elon first took over that meme of loads of random accounts basically spamming the N word and not getting banned. That was happening. And I'm also seeing I feel like a lot more of these kind of blue check mark type of like bro chatty dog whistle were racist type of accounts the type of ones that always like posting pictures of like switzerland and places where there's not a lot of like immigration or whatnot right these sort of accounts have kind of i feel like blown up and become a lot more prominent online on twitter mostly maybe it's just my feed because i follow maybe a few of these accounts because i just think it's funny when people are like weirdly dog whistly slightly racist like that i just find it super hilarious in a weird way so maybe i'm seeing more of it but that's an easy sort of anecdote you can kind of pull from that definitely is something you see more on social media especially on twitter for sure um hate speech is kind of hard like i said to kind of pin down but that's an easy anecdote yes you're you i feel like are seeing way more kind of like um way more stuff that you would put within the kind of not white nationalist but you know maybe that kind of like white pride type of type of thing it kind of does exist um it kind of is what it is but yeah hear, hear, hear how this guy fumbles it I more hate speech personally i would say i would see more hateful content in that in that content moment. you don't like or or hateful what do you mean to describe a hateful thing yeah i mean you know just content that will solicit a reaction something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist those kinds of those kinds of things so imagine wanting this to be one of your kind of you know things that you pull up you kind of pull elon on and you can't define hate speech not define it you know in in kind of absolute terms but at least your definition for whatever argument you want to put forth you should have some semblance of where you want to go but he does as a scoobiest if anything this is just all feelings based he feels like Twitter's a meaner place now. So now, you know, it, it's, it's a cesspool. Everyone should be banned, all this malarkey. What an absolute crazy person. But let's play it up a little bit more. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no. Is I'm that not, what you're saying? I'm not let's saying go back again. I think that's awesome. Let's go back again. This, this is that, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is that I'm not, what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm, well, saying... I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con content. And I'm asking for specific <laughs> examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful that's content. Crazy. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's but... why I'm asking for examples. 
Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't use. <laughs> honestly, I you don't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't. Oh my god! He mentions the for you tab. He sees way more hate speech under the for you tab on Twitter. Then when he's pushed back and grilled and asked to clarify and actually have at least one example, he can't name one example because guess what? He doesn't use Twitter much or he doesn't use the For You tab much. Now, I don't know if he's being facetious and he's doing that thing that people do when they want to seem and appear as if they're like smarter than what they are. Oh, I don't watch TV. I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Uh, Yeah, you do watch TV. You see clips on, on your flipping phone. That essentially is TV now. Like, stop being dumb. Right. So maybe he's kind of being um, pretentious in, on purpose. But this is hilarious. What a hilarious fumble. This is the best that BBC had to provide. You like it. You said actually, a lot, of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only. Well, a lot of people. Hang on a second. You said you've following. seen more hateful content and you can't <laughs> name a single example. Not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last <laughs> three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then I how did you see the hateful content? content? Because I've been, I've, been using, I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. <laughs> okay, so then you must have at some point seen that you call you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. <laughs> right. And, and I, you can't I, give a single one. And, and, and I'm saying. I, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. This reminds me of one of those interviews I've had before where you go, have you ever had a job interview where you don't prepare? I've had a couple of those. Maybe because, again, not to be, you know, not to take things for granted, but there are times where I've been applying for jobs where I've been applying for many places at the same time. Or maybe there's a particular job that's a bit more down the line that I actually want. So maybe I'm at the final stages, but I'm still keeping my kind of eyes open and the door open because I'm one of those people who I never, I never kind of... um. I never take anything for granted until I've kind of signed the papers and sometimes even until I've sorry signed the contract or even until I started. So I'm always kind of keeping my eye open. So there's a couple of times where I was applying for other places that I'm further down the line on. And then this other place tells me, Hey, come in for an interview. And you just think, fuck it. Let me just go and just speak to them. So you just go with a bit of arrogance because you already got this other thing in the bag that you're kind of confident about. And then you just go in there with no preparation and you get grilled by a CEO or the manager or whoever's interviewing you, and you feel so ridiculous at the end, you're like, you wasted your their time, your time, you embarrass yourself and your family, <laughs> you know what I mean? You just leave it thinking, oh my God, what a horror show. And this is what that feels like. No preparation, none whatsoever, zero. Not even anecdotal evidence that you can share and say, oh, my friends, since they've been using Twitter, since you've taken over, um, two of them have lost their lives, three of them have been admitted to flipping hospital, um, blah, blah, or whatever, just something. He's got nothing, just feelings, just what he feels and what people say to him. Crazy. Because you can't give me a single example of hateful content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed was... There are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or example. not, I mean, I, right, and Literally if you, you look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, in the UK, they will say that. Oh, so my you, God. They, look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Then, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't <laughs> name a single example. Right, and as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. This reminds me so much of, what's her name? Kathy something, right? Oh, that woman that interviewed Jordan Peterson on Channel 4, right? 
so what you're saying is so what you're saying is absolute horror show absolute horror show I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have we only have a certain amount of time. Um, <laughs> well, COVID misinformation. You changed the COVID, you've changed the COVID misinformation. Has oh. BBC changed this COVID misinformation? The BBC does not. He's destroying this guy. Absolutely destroying him. Not set the rules on Twitter. So I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. Exactly. Look at that. Look at the, the pause is the best bit about this. I've got to rewind this. The pause is the best bit about this. Information about COVID. Let's go back again. Let's go back again. I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's most information about COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm literally Has, asking you about, you I'm, changed I'm, I'm, the labels, I'm, I'm, the COVID misinformation <laughs> labels. They used to be a policy and then, then disappeared. Why do that? Well, COVID is no longer an issue. Does the BBC hold itself at all responsible for misinformation regarding masking and side effects of vaccinations and not reporting on that at all? And what about the fact that the BBC was put under pressure by the British government to change its editorial policy? Are you aware of that? This is, an, this is not an interview about the BBC. Oh, so. you thought it wasn't? <laughs> and this, I see now why you've done Twitter spaces. I am not a representative of the BBC's editorial policy. I want to make that clear. Let's oh, no, we know that. Don't worry. We know that. You're not representative of yourself. Look at that. Even the posture, even the flipping posture, everything about it is just screaming B-E-T-A male. Look at that. Absolute cretin. And again, I've not been the biggest fan of Elon in the last 18 months. I feel like, you know, He's kind of shown himself up to be a pretty, pretty despicable individual, especially the way he kind of chewed up and spat out for Matt Taibbi. Bless the guy. He probably should have known better. But in general, the guy has been pretty unlikable the last 18 months. There's so many things you could literally pin him to the master about and really kind of get him to kind of speak about in a kind of really open way and maybe get to the bottom of or call him out on certain things. That guy had nothing prepared. Zero. No prep, no nothing. Just vibes. Absolutely crazy absolutely crazy moving on from that one we quickly need to mention this which i thought was hilarious right and people are going crazy about this and i don't really understand this is news courtesy of flipping bbc it says millie bobby brown announces her engagement to jake bon jovi and everyone's going crazy about this because i guess they're really young she's 19 he's 20 and it just seems to be like a really forward and quick age to be getting engaged with now my alternative perspective on this is that this is not that crazy. This is just standard white people business. White people, especially if they're young and they have money, or even sometimes they don't have money, they just love to love. And sometimes if they find a one when they're young, they'd rather kind of commit to that person early on than try and be out there in the streets looking for love. And if they decided that they kind of work out and they kind of, you know, they click, they see a future together, despite how young they may be, I have no issue with it whatsoever. Especially given that they're both the same age. This this would be way different if Bon Jovi's kid was flipping 28, right? But he's 20, if I'm not mistaken. They're basically a year apart. They're in the same age, same peer group, same generation. It's completely fine. And from what I've read online and bits and pieces I've seen, allegedly this Millie Bobby Brown girl, um, 11 from Stranger Things, if you're not aware, um, she has what people i think her fans don't like her family i think a lot of her fans feel like her family are exploitative 
and then maybe take advantage of her and her success and whatnot. And if that's the case, maybe having the ability to marry someone like this and kind of marry into a quote unquote stable family so that you can kind of run away from your own family is a good way. It's a good way to kind of, you know, rescue and kind of revive your life in some way, shape or form. I see legitimately no issue with this whatsoever. The only person that should be crying into their flipping mimosa right now is probably Drake. Because Drake's always kind of, you know, looked over the girl and been a bit of a mentor to Millie Bobby Brown, even though it's been a bit bizarre that he was at the time texting a 17-year-old or whatever it may be and offering her flipping, what's that word, um, career advice. He's the only person that should be flipping annoyed and pissed off about this because this Bon Jovi kid guy, he looks nothing like a Drake. That's basically what her taste is. Her taste is whatever this guy looks like. Because he looks nothing like Drake. He's not mixed race in the slightest. He's a real kind of smoke show, blonde looking guy, blue eyes, chiseled jawline. He looks nothing like Drake whatsoever. So the fact that this is kind of her first relationship, especially at such a tender age, this will you imagine will kind of shape the kind of guy that she's into long term going forward. So if you're Drake, you should be screaming in your, in your mimosa right now and thinking, God, why always me? Why always me? But it also does remind me slightly of this guy that I knew in school. Um, he's actually a kind of a famous footballer um, who went on to kind of be a West Ham legend, Mark Noble. And I say this is normal because I know a lot of people, especially from the area that I'm from, um, where a lot of kind of kids I kind of grew up with ended up having children really early under the age of 18 or ended up kind of marrying or staying with the same person they had kids with when they were under 18. It happens so often with the whites. They just love to love. If the flipping, you know, blacks and browns love to have flipping baby mothers and run around town and, you know, live life and be free, then the whites definitely love to settle down super early. And just think about, what's the other person? Oh, just think about flipping, um, what's his name? The Beckham kid and his girlfriend. That's another one. That's another example. Or his wife, sorry. Um, what's his name? Uh, Brooklyn Beckham and Nicola Pest. They're another example of them, of these kind of young whites designed to kind of hook up and get married super, super early. The only issue with this, what I discovered, having done my Googles a little bit, I didn't know this. I don't know if you guys are aware of this either. But this lady, the girl that flipping Brooklyn Beckham is married to, is actually 28. I thought they were the same age. I thought this girl was the same age as him, but he's 24 and she's 28. So they got together when he was a, a literal baby in terms of maybe 22 21 so that's the only thing that's a bit strange but then again four years is it that crazy i'm not really too sure but again i'm not too shocked i think white people be doing white people shit and if she's happy she looks like it he's a stud by all accounts right this the son of bon jovi is probably not the baddest guy to kind of end up with especially as your flipping first husband and in actuality let's be real also most likely this won't last most likely you know without putting any bad vibes out there and touch wood, they'll probably get divorced somewhere along the line. But it's a pretty good story to tell. It's a pretty good first marriage to have on your flipping list of marriages. It's not that bad. It's not that, it's not that difficult, I feel like. It's not that bad of a thing that they kind of ended up in. So if they're happy and they're enjoying themselves, more power to them, you know, enjoy yourself, do your thing. White people business, not my business. Don't give a fuck. Moving on from that one, we've got news here courtesy of bmw bmw have decided to announce um weirdly enough that frank ocean will be performing at coachella i was one of the people that were doubting it because of his constant flakes over the years and the way that he kind of broke my heart because i one year decided to buy a ticket to go to primavera um partly because he was performing there one of his first gigs he was doing in europe in a long long time and i think the week before we flew out there he cancelled 
and ever since then he's been cancelling shows all the time now some of it has to do with the tragic circumstances of his little brother dying in that car accident and i think that kind of you know moved things and changed things in terms of career and now he's doing homer his jewelry line which is clearly popping and doing great things with maybe the drive and the kind of willingness to kind of go on stage and perform just isn't there anymore and he's clearly made a lot of money anyway so why bother but maybe this is a signal that he's kind of getting back to uh being back out there and feeding his fans again but weirdly bmw announced it because they posted this really crazy cool video um featuring um clips of the original car that was featured on the classic album mixtape nostalgia ultra um they kind of featured it and it kind of shows maybe that he's going to be performing on me there it's quite a good little bit of promo to kind of lead up to coachella which is happening i think in the next couple of weeks if i'm not mistaken next couple of weeks i'm sure of it pretty cool right so you see that coming up in the car park with the headlights and then of course the best one is seeing the actual full image of the car itself like that is so amazing that car looks so so sexy three door bmw i think it's an m3 if i'm not mistaken yeah those go e30 m3 um in orange with those amazing rims and yeah people are saying um that he was there this is a quote looking at people that were there as well also and somebody i guess i think i saw on the frank ocean subreddit or somewhere someone said they drove past the area where coachella's taking place and they heard frank ocean rehearsing which i think is a little bit you know skeptical because how they were driving by at the exact same time as he was flipping whatever rehearsing I, i'm not really sure about that but they did say they overheard some beautiful techno so that could be a possibility he could be performing some new material, but it also could be a chance for him to perform some of his hits and go back to, you know, nostalgia, basically ultra and all these classics that he has in his catalog. that he didn't really get to perform in a big way and kind of have that out there for the fans. But I love it regardless. Great announcement. Can't wait to watch it and hear it. And from what I've been hearing online, it will be live streamed. So for fans like myself, who are not going to Coachella. We can watch it from the comfort of our homes. Next, we've got news here, courtesy of you know twitter sneaker space thing that's kind of getting people really no what is it no not necessary next we've got news courtesy of sneakerhead twitter and sneakerhead twitter has been up in arms about this news i'm not really too bothered about them because i kind of like this but this is a really interesting development so it's long been rumored that union were going to bring out union we're going to have another jordan released this year and the initial rumors that we heard based on the description of the shoe was that it was going to be another jordan high and at first we heard that it was going to be another Jordan High in the style um, and in the colorway kind of format of their kind of previous ones that did really well, which were the kind of um, black, blue, red ones. I forgot the flipping name of them. What's the flipping name of those black, blue, red ones that came out? Actually, I've got a list here. Let me see. The list here that originally came out, everyone was liking, which were, yeah, the Air Jordan High. So they got the black toe one and the blue ones, right? So people were basically thinking that there were going to be another sort of spin on this kind of you know what you would deem to be a classic shoe nowadays in this union air jordan one with a black toe so that was an initial kind of assumption people had in their heads based on just the description of the shoe but then more details came out about the shoe and we heard it would potentially have a kind of a footscapey type of vibe to it and being as a footscape is a real marmite shoe in sneaker culture people don't necessarily tend to like it somebody decided to put a, a mock-up together of what a air jordan high with a footscape detailing would look like and it looked like this 
essentially an Air Jordan high and white with the sort of footscape woven um, pattern on the outside kind of, you know, looking what you'd kind of expect from a regular footscape. And people were up in arms on social media. They did not like it in the slightest. They hated it, especially if you're somebody that was a fan of the classic black toe Jordan. Seeing something like this just didn't really sit with you in the slightest. It got so bad, Chris Gibbs, the founder and the head honcho over there at Union, had to come out and make a statement. And he writ this flipping wafty, vaguey, saying nothing without saying something flipping statement that made people even more angrier and made people more sure that this horrendous Jordan, you know, with the footscape flipping design on it will be coming out. The statement he released, um, courtesy of Complex, said as follows. It has been, um, sorry, it has been our company's stance to not comment on future projects until we're ready to start our marketing campaign around any particular launch. Although this stance has been extremely hard to keep at times, we are sticking to it. And it isn't half of the fun, and isn't half of the fun around any sneaker launch also tethered to the hunt now anyway. What would any self-respecting sneaker launch be without rumors of release dates and fan mock-ups and of what and of what they think is coming out or even better what they think we should have designed i can't take that away from us i won't needless to say i'm sorry but i can't make any comments that either or deny or confirm the current rumors swirling around about the potential 2023 union jordan collaboration other than say let the hunt begin which is obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Gibbs. I love what he's done at Union. He's a flipping OG for sure. He can definitely use that term OG, even though I think it's really corny and lamey. And to kind of refer to yourself as an OG if you're over the age of 18, really kind of give your head a wobble. But he definitely has kind of earned that right. But this does come across a little bit self-absorbed, a little bit insufferable, a little bit pompous, and just kind of screams why I kind of hate kind of speaking to anybody associated with the scene in the slightest. Like they really have an ego that's really, really crazy but regardless all of this to say after all of that flipping quotes after all those flipping statements and all this flipping conjecture the final product kind of leaked with these flipping sneaker leaker accounts which are essentially chinese factories that get them ahead of time so they can kind of make loads of fakes and kind of make loads of money off the back of them they finally did release a picture of what that union jordan footscape thing will look like and guess what it looks exactly like the mock-up the mock-up that someone put together, the actual official image of what these things will look like eventually, they look exactly like them. And if you don't see the picture here, you essentially have the same classic Jordan um, high design that they kind of featured on that kind of legendary black toe design that you got featured here with the kind of overstitched skirt design here on the front whatnot. But essentially, the design is the same as the mock-up with the addition of the little footscape woven added onto the side of the shoe so whatever people floated out there about what it would look like they ended up looking the same so everybody that was hating the shoe has been justified in their hate because the shoes look exactly like things that people wouldn't like now me personally i'm a big fan of the footscape i've always loved the shoe maybe because of the generation of a sneakerhead that i am and the way they were introduced into the kind of you know space when i was kind of buying shoes i felt like footscapes were always kind of a bit of a luxury shoe they kind of felt like the you know what people would look like when they 
it kind of felt like the first thing you'd buy before you might buy a Visvim shoe or something a little bit more luxe than that, especially because they fell under the HTM banner, which at the time was um, a particular kind of branch, kind of exclusive luxury, really high quality shoes that were kind of made in conjunction between three people, Hiroshi Fujiwara, Tinker Hatfield and Mark Parker. And they kind of combined to make these really luxe and really kind of, you know, um, exclusive limited edition shoes, usually with really good materials not really crazy colorways but you know loads of tumbled leather loads of fur loads of pebble whatever it may be and it kind of really did well back in the day when i was buying shoes and one example of that footscape model is this classic which is the hideout shoe that i think came out in i think 2007 and i think i had a pair of the browns but i didn't get a pair of the whites but these footscapes um hideout collaborations came out in about 2007 very very popular a lot of people liked them at the time but again the shoe model is very Marmite-ish in terms of its appeal because of the kind of, you know, the way the laces are kind of bent on the side, the woven pattern, the way they kind of sit on your foot, the fact that they, don't, they only work with certain type of pants and whatnot. And just generally, if you're a fan of Jordan 1s and this type of silhouette and you're that type of sneakerhead, I can understand why footscapes are just not for you. It makes complete sense. But for me, the hideout footscape was always really something that I kind of, you know, warmed to, especially in these two colorways. I think they were absolutely boss. And looked absolutely incredible especially from the side but i can imagine why people aren't really big fans of them so if you do see that final product of what they're gonna look like it makes sense why you're not gonna like them but i'm curious to see because union jordans overall i thought the same thing happened with the jordan fours when the jordan fours were initially linked leaked sorry i feel like a lot of people didn't essentially like them but I definitely do think the Jordan 4 unions are one of their stronger collaborations that they've done over the years. But when the images initially leaked, people didn't like them because guess what? They didn't look like the Jordan 1s. So I'm curious, will all this flipping kerfuffle online and people spitting their dummies out and crying and getting upset about the shoe not being to their liking and maybe not being as good as the previous collaborations, will it matter when they initially drop? Because are these going to end up selling out? Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. I'm st they're still going to sell out. They're still going to go for crazy amounts of StockX. People are going to be fighting over them. So everything people are saying about the shoes and about what they don't like about them design-wise is going to be is going to be mute because essentially I feel like nowadays sneaker sneakerheads for the most part aren't really sneakerheads. They just buy limited edition shoes. They don't actually care about if a shoe. They're not actually interested if they like a shoe or not. They're most interested in is this shoe limited. Is it one of 100, one of 1,000, one of 10,000, 100,000? If that's the case, they'll buy it, no matter how ugly or how disastrous it may flipping look on their feet. They don't care. As long as it's limited, it means it's good to them. So all this flipping stuff people are saying online, I think once the shoes come out, people are going to change their tune, especially if it comes out in a colorway they like. If, if Union put together a colorway that maybe is similar to one of these, jordan you know union jordan ones that they did before maybe it's a black toe maybe it's a red toe whatever it may be i guarantee you everybody that's crying online is going to purchase them because i don't think the woven design on the side is really that much of an issue that it would make somebody not buy the shoe flat out i don't think so personally i think a lot of people will end up changing their tune and end up purchasing them very very soon but i do like 
that people are kind of speaking about the design more online and kind of kicking up a fuss about what they don't like about it design wise and you know maybe it's something that they would never wear but i think once they initially do come out everyone's tune will change because i've not seen i can't think of a single limited edition shoe that people thought was ugly that sat around on the, on the flipping shelves even the jordans that maybe took a lot longer to initially sell right the jordan fours they still initially ended up selling out anyway so this idea that they won't sell out is ludicrous because they're limited. They're going to sell out. And people, because they're whores and they're flipping sluts to the Jordan ones and they have no real taste or no real personality and they're all flipping sheep and lemming, they're going to essentially go and buy them because they're limited and because they're unions just to come and stunt and kind of freak out on people online and stuff. That's what's going to happen. I can almost guarantee you that. But talking about union, this list also courtesy of Complex is pretty cool. It ranks all of the union Nike collaborations from best to worst. And there's some pretty horrendous ones like this one that I had no idea about, right? This union Nike Dunk Challenge Supreme in black. Legitimately horrendous. It takes some of the tech challenge colorways and puts it on a dunk with a strap from a vandal. Horrible. Hate it. Same thing on this one with the white colorway. Ridiculously horrendous. And then it starts to get into some interesting projects. You got this Jordan Delta. I've not seen any other brand do another Jordan Delta again. So again, credit to Union for taking chances and going for models that not everybody's kind of going for. So credit to them for that. But that model is horrendous. Then it goes into a Jordan Zoom 92, which I think was very underrated. I actually did like this model and I thought the colorway was pretty sick. So I'm not that I'm not that mad of it. Um, this is the guava ice colorway. Number seventeen, you got the Union Nike Cortez in off in in off noir, which again I think was a very good flip on I think a pretty un um underrepresented underpraised model in the Cortez. It definitely doesn't get the love it definitely deserves. I feel like same goes for the lemon frost colorway in sixteen and the smoke gray colorway in fifteen and the sesame colorway in fourteen. Then we've got the Union Jordans in D Desert Moss. Again, I feel like this was a definitely slept on um, colorway and collaboration in general. They did really well and they smashed these. And you can tell by the, the amount of times you see people actually wearing them in real life. I think that's a good sign in terms of how successful the shoes were. So I like those. Number 12, you've got the Air Jordan 2 in Frog Grey. These are pretty cool also. But again, people don't like Jordan 2s because they're not 1s, they're not 4s. People just have this weird taste about them. For me, I feel that these KO um, Jordan 1 lows from Union are way too far up in the list. I personally hate and despise all Jordan lows. I feel like Jordan 1 lows just look like they're cheap up on the material. Look, They look like they've been cut with scissors and it just look horrendous. I feel like if I'm going to wear a low shoe in this type of silhouette, I just go for a dunk. Why go for a Jordan 1 low? It just feels horrible. So I'm not really a fan of those KOs at all. Um, and then again, you and again putting an all white colorway that high up on the list is also a bit weird. But hey, we continue. Then you've got ten. You've got another Jordan two collaboration with Union here. You got the rattan colorway, which again was pretty nice. But people don't like Jordan twos. Then you got another one, number nine. You've got the top haze colorway of the Jordan fours, which is really good. You've got the number eight here. You've got the dunk lows. Um, you've got the passport pack court purple which is really pretty crazy nice little lakers type of flip on there number seven you've got the passport pack pistachio colorway another really good colorway also number six you've got the argon in the press passport pack and then number five of course you've got the guavas which are definitely big in the number in jordan fours same thing goes for the off-wire jordans and then you've got the classic here the storm blue jordan ones and then you've also got the 
classic classic the one that he clerks pack from back in the day which probably go for bucks i'd reckon i'm assuming these probably go for thousands right now because these came out when i was still buying shoes back in the, the early 2000s so i'm assuming this must go for like oh yeah see 1000 these goes for 1000 these nike air force one 180s um these should be retro actually i'm surprised they haven't been retroed anytime soon but they're definitely a shoe that should be retroed very fairly soon but they haven't been retroed in a while but these air force 180s at the moment are going for absolute bucks they say 242 pound but i absolutely doubt it in terms of that being the last sale let's just double check as the flipping thing loads here from flipping StockX. but i doubt it's going to be selling for that cheap it definitely has to be selling for way more than that um oh wow it actually is okay cool last sale is 242 but you can buy them for 100 1400 and 1746 in my size absolutely crazy they'll flip in 180 so they definitely deserve to be that far up of the list so big up them and of course number one on that list you then got the black toe jordan one so that makes complete sense to me i completely get it overall but like i said before i think everyone's going to change their tune once those flipping um footscape air jordan ones end up coming out everyone's going to change their tune everyone's going to want them and all that pompous nonsense people have been spewing about i don't want to buy them because nah you'll wear them trust me you're gonna wear them because they are what they are because they are what they are next on list here i want to mention these because these look absolutely incredible and this is something that i think deserves a little bit more love this is news courtesy from stussy regarding the stussy and martine rose collaboration it's a stussy has collaborated with london-based martine rose on a capsule centered around the art of driving very refreshing collaboration take this is how to do collabs stussy are doing the collabs perfect and doing it around and flipping driving is flipping amazing especially when you think no one really does this apart from maybe i don't know um what's that, what's that thing called anti-social social club but they don't ship their stuff so it doesn't count um the range features a steering wheel cover driving gloves and a scented air freshener a co-branded car mat and a french flag and college um and a college story one screen the collection is rounded out with apparel sushi t-shirts featuring the classic stand firm text and a hoodie with a graphic treatment um the stussy and martin rose collaboration will be to available from friday april 14th and north america april 14th uk april 14th europe april 14th japan korea april 14th and some of the stuff in this collection specifically the gloves for me are a winner i'm definitely getting the gloves the glove looks so hard obviously i'm not going to be driving them because i don't drive just yet i'm going to be pushing my pedal bike around with them but the gloves look incredible the pictures look great too they kind of remind me of back in the day when i used to collect max power magazines um you know car magazines and whatnot i used to be obsessed with that whole thing for a while when i was a kid so this is pretty cool to see um look at this look at this car oh so beautiful nice t-shirts also and you've got the air freshener there you've got the windscreen cover as well some good pictures taken here and the car cover the, the steering wheel cover as well and look the guy in the car himself he looks pretty amazing you've got more pictures here that give you a better detail image look, look at jail paul in the car they're hanging out that give a better image on what the flipping items look like in the line sheet but then going by the item item by item for sure for me the standout is definitely the driving gloves these are going to be really really popular i'm starting to get to a point where i really want to buy loads of gloves for my bike but also just buy gloves for just wearing day to day so these would be definitely up my kind of alley i love how she martin rose kind of added the martin rose kind of text here as a sort of flip to um the mechanic gloves that i have and i wear on my bike so they kind of look at like they'll be um 
mechanic collaborations, but they're actually just a collaboration between um, Martin Rose and Stussy. So they've been kind of constructive on the ground up in that regard. So they look flipping amazing. I'm a fan of these, especially they've got these kind of reggae, reggae, Jamaica kind of uh, color hate going on with them also. So I like those. Um, the hoodie is fairly decent as well with a nice kind of Stussy and co-branded logo on the front there. That looks pretty nice. I'm sure those will be popular also. And then you've got the driving mat here, which is nice as well. Um, it features that kind of what's that hippie? I've got the I've got the low I've got the print as well of a hoodie. I forgot what it's called. It's kind of like the hippie weed man sort of printing. I kind of like that. And the number eight ball here, which all the kids on TikTok love, Stussy logo, the eight ball logo. It's absolutely smashing it online there. And then you've got there. You've got I guess this is something you put on your windscreen. That looks pretty cool. And you've got the windscreen cover there also. And you've got the air freshener as well. And then lastly, you've got the steering wheel cover. That's a cheetah print cover. That's cool. I love the look of that. And the t-shirts as well. So pretty solid collection overall. I love it from front to bottom. And I am definitely will be trying to get a couple of pieces myself when it eventually does drop. When it eventually does drop. Anyway, this has been... The Excellence English Show, episode number 664. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show. It's been a pleasure to have your company as per usual. If you've enjoyed the show and you've liked what you've seen so far, you know what to do down below with all the stuff that you need to do. Links regarding myself are there also. I'll be putting timestamps on this podcast later on. So definitely check out for that if you're that way inclined. If you're watching the show, if you're on the audio side of it, I'll definitely add it for all the main topics I spoke about also. But for those of you watching live, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company. If you're listening via the audio platform, you shall hear my tune of the day playing underneath this if you're watching this it will just fade to black and you won't hear anything overall and i'll see you guys again very very soon
to a pole till I try.